Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cleveland. On today's episode, we have Gabe and MDV in the house. We had them come into Campbell, where we're meeting up, talking about business, talking about different things we have going on at NC Fit, talking about coaching. And by the way, we said, hey, let's record a podcast in person. It was awesome. We dove into a bunch of different subjects from training, of course, to headphones, to homeless and different shows that MDV's been watching. We finished up with some of my CrossFit games. Uh, you know, somehow we got brought up a few of uh, a few really cool memories from the CrossFit games. So make sure you stay tuned this episode. Enjoy this one. If you're a gym owner, definitely going to be some information there to unpack. If you're just driving in your car or maybe you're going out for some long distance cardio, if you're enjoying these conversations, let us know. Hit us up on social. Hit us up with a review. We'd really appreciate it. Helps the podcast, but more importantly, gives us feedback on what you're looking for. I hope you and your family is doing well. Keep training hard. Let's dive into a great episode with MDV and Gabe Giannis. Let's go. So just start talking about how difficult it is for us to get this podcast set up. Well, we have MDV. We have Gabe. We are here at our Campbell location. We are talking about how difficult it is for me to get this podcast set up. Um, but aside from that, we're rocking and rolling, man. We were coaching some, uh, recording some great content. And now we're just going to be a... Uh, Riffing on a podcast about whatever comes to our minds. Yeah, this is this is a cable maintenance nightmare. It looks like a f- yeah. fucking bird's nest over here with these wires. <laughs> dude, there was such a better I'm back, way, baby. There was such a better way of doing this, but this way just makes it look perfect. Cha- chaotic. It, it's 100% chaotic. Look at the table. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like you set it up. And Jason is wearing... I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> Jason's wearing his headphones kind of half off of his head because his ears get hot. My ears get hot, number one. And number two is right now, this, this particular microphone that I'm, that I'm using right now, I actually can't hear any feedback. Mm. So I keep my headphone off to, to, to listen. To cool off your ears? To cool off my ears. Dude, if you've worn... No, I mean, that's a really... It's a very valuable point. When you travel long distances, if you're wearing those over-ear headphones, they work really well because they're noise-canceling. Mm. But I mean, dude, my ears get hot. But at the same time, if you just wear AirPods for long-ass times, they get a little uncomfortable. So what's the preference? Over-ear, but ears get hot? Or in-ear, but a little bit uncomfortable? I was at a party in, in law school one time, and uh, we were all drinking in this, my buddy's living room or whatever. And you know, one of the kids was there, and all of a sudden, he was like, started like rubbing his leg. He was rubbing his leg, and we were like, what's going on, Joey? What's going on? And you're like, he's like, my leg is hot. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he just got up and went for a walk because his leg was hot. This is what reminds me of, of your ears getting hot. I think of that, that moment, my leg got hot. <laughs> Not the same. Out of, all, out of all things he could have came up with. So yeah, like at a law school party, and he started rubbing his leg. He was rubbing his leg, got oh, hot it Sounds leg. like something, some weird shit was going down. Got some that, hot leg. That, that, that law school party. Dude, I still go old school. I always have the, the cable headphones on long flights. The um, like headphones? The wired in yeah, headphones? Yeah, wired yeah. headphones. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have AirPods. I have a pair of wireless headphones, like, but it's the ones that like wrap around your ear um, that I use for running, but yeah, I don't use that much. Dude, hey. Anyways, look, my ears get hot. It's all good. It's fine. <laughs> well, a lot of the new wave kind of health influencers are talking about EMFs. how, yeah, talking about how having those in-ear um, Apple head, uh, what are they called? Ear pods or like the other ones have the, what, EMF waves? Yeah, yeah, EMF waves. Hang on. Well, I haven't heard about this, so I must not be on the ends of the, of the fitness influencer market right now, but so the, what, what are they saying? They're saying that the in-ear creates some type of... You know, this will this will probably be like an interesting topic for us to get into because, and I'll, I'll come back to the whole EMF thing. I think that over the past like six months, I personally have really changed my tune about a lot of this stuff because I felt like the more I went down the rabbit hole of like, you know, the, the very like healthy, crunchy influencers, like when you're getting mad at me about oat milk. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. And a hundred percent, like can 100% like just be honest that like I've changed my tune to a lot of that because I, ju- I just feel like it gets to the point where everything's bad for you oh, and yeah. there's so much fear mongering about mm. like well get rid of the headphones like don't have any like any seed oils in anything and don't have any of this and there's toxins in your water and microplastics mm. everywhere sun and your butthole and all this oh, kind of stuff. yeah no seriously <laughs> but it, yeah you haven't heard of uh, what is it uh, carnivore Aurelius? yeah carnivore uh, Aurelius. it's a good follow though yeah he's it's a, a really he's good a follow. Great follow he's got all these people now out there in the sun yeah. getting everything yeah. uh, a little toasty wait no, no no hang on before we pass 
that. So I want to go back to the point you were making. Yes, we'll go back. Before we, you can't just skim over the fact that there's an influencer <laughs> out there yes. who actually um, is encouraging people to lay naked outside. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, yeah. he's kind of following it up with, you know, this is not medical advice. This is just his suggestion. But you remember Ronnie Teasdale, Ra of Earth? He's also deep in the, the weeds on all this kind of stuff, you know, like genital sunning and uh, butthole sunning yeah. and taint sunning <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. There's and what, what they say is that you're actually, like, recharging your system by doing yeah. this. And that you're not supposed to, like, obviously lay in the sun and no. burn, burn everything up, but, yeah. like, getting the sun's rays on everything, that's what they believe is that you're going to, you know, be strong like bull. And so the reasoning behind it, we used to be naked. Like there's something about how our body interacts with the sun and like makes vitamin D that isn't meant to really like California is beautiful. You're spending a lot of time outside, but most people you're in a t-shirt and fully clothed. And the, the argument, and I'm not saying that like, you know, people <laughs> should go out there naked now, yeah. but the argument is that, you know, we're meant to be most of our body exposed to the sun. When do we ever do that? So it's, it's going back to that, but going back to the <laughs> but point that I was, you were into full torso sunning for a while, right? Like you were, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, and there's the thing is there's, you can find science to support anything or to refute anything mm -hmm. in, to some extent. Cause there's actually like a study that has been done on um, I think it was men specifically and, you know, like full body, like naked sunbathing and increases in testosterone apparently mm. because some of these influencers will put that out, you know, they'll like screenshot the study. But the thing is, the more that I've gone down this rabbit hole, the more that you realize that, you know, it's really easy to post the abstract for a study or like the headline of something. But when you go into the weeds of a lot of these things, it's like, like it could have been that it could have not been that it's like a group of 10 people like you know it's it's just it's it's a lot more iffy than it is and going back to the whole like oat milk thing and seed oil thing and like you know um emfs like i just think that for me to like where i'm prioritizing the things that i'm like avoiding and the things that i'm like trying to do i just think that it becomes a slippery slope where all of a sudden you're like just so preoccupied in all these details that you're kind of like missing out yeah. on just like chilling out. Mm. Yeah. You can't see the forest of the tree. Like it's just, you're, you're getting caught up in these things. Yeah. There's such a bigger picture in mind. Yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Cause there's people out there that like I'll, I'll follow on social media that like, you know, like their house has no wifi mm. and you know, they're like ethernet everything. And you know, you're like not touching anything that's even remotely processed and like no seed oils. And Sure, like I think that that is all well and good and you're probably avoiding the chances of some things that are not healthy. But, you know, at some point, like when are you putting all this effort and so much stress into like making your life more kind of difficult and putting obstacles in your way mm -hmm. that maybe aren't, you know, worth whatever this benefit is. And again, like if you feel good doing all those things, like great. But I think that the slippery slope becomes if you can just benefit from maybe walking a little bit more or switching out one meal for something a little healthier, like I think it's detrimental for you to be getting bombarded with all this noise about mm. how you should get rid of your Wi-Fi or toss your AirPods. I've actually gone, I, I mean, personally, I've gone the other way a bit. Like I, I'm, I'm moving more towards saying like I am going to exclude things from my diet completely because I don't, I don't want to have even minimal amounts of these things uh, in, in my nutrition. You know, seed oils is one thing for sure. Processed foods is another. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I saw pictures, and I'm, this, I haven't done major research on this for sure, but I saw pictures of cut open tap water pipes mm. of, of like what that water is filtering through going into houses in like major cities. It, it's pretty wild when yeah. you see that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so personally, there is some movement for me in terms of like, you know, my, my fitness, my, my nutrition, um, certain decisions that I'm making in terms of like hydration and sunlight, I'm not saying that I'm getting into the butthole sunning or anything like that, but like, you know, I, I am trying to actively get more like vitamin D and be in the sun a lot more. Um, and uh, I, I haven't made the jump on like things like Wi-Fi or EMFs no, and like worrying like about that. It's a lot. But, but, you know, like guys like Liver King, like he, I think oh. he kind of famously is not having those kinds of things in his house. I don't think he has Wi-Fi in his house. I think he's got it outside or in certain areas of his house and yeah. cell phones go in a, a box and stuff like that. Yeah. Liver King's interesting, right? Because he's become such a polarizing figure in that he's polarizing in that he 
a lot of people love everything he's saying, but like if you listen to like the Lane Nortons or more in our space, maybe like the E.C. Sinkowskis of the world, like they're much more on the side of like, dude. M- moderation now? Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. at some point I'm curious, like, okay, you talk about like tap water or you talk about, you name the thing that's kind of like, there's been a norm that's been done for a long time, but now people like, where does that start to affect you mentally? Is, is something you got to take in consideration? Like, are you putting so much stress on yourself and you're getting so anxious that like nothing is okay anymore? But where is it affecting us physically too is a really important oh, yeah, question I think to it's ask a, ourselves, I think it's right? a huge like, balancing act. And because we're saying like we kind of assume that a lot of these things are going to – they're just part of normal life. Like you drink tap – I'm not saying don't drink tap water. I'm not saying don't eat some seed oils. I'm not saying don't eat processed foods if you, if you want to. But like I think we have to take a step back and also look at some stuff and be like, well, why are – rates of, you know, heart disease, why are rates of cancer, why are rates of metabolic disorder going like through the roof? Why is obesity continuing to go up over the past 30 years, but caloric intake has has stayed steady? That's a really interesting graph. There's a graph that I saw the other day that was like, obesity rates continue to skyrocket it's the one line is going like this up yeah. and then the the uh, calories have leveled off so what's causing that so if we're into this kind of debate about thermodynamics uh, right and calories in calories out why is that not happening in linear um like uh, uh sync whatever whatever word I'm yeah why, why, is that, why the line's sync. not the same yeah, yeah yeah well i imagine the calories you had even 30 or 50 years ago are different than the calories you're having today depending on the type of food you're eating right? but but well i mean if you're just looking at like calorie calorie actually that's, that's that's the thing. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the trickiness about this. Right. Because what MDV is saying, and I saw that you shared that, I think Sean, Sean, Sean Baker posted it. Sean Baker posted it, but it's kind of, Sean Baker is, um, you know, a guy who's popularized, popularized the carnivore, carnivore diet. diet yeah. He's an MD, um, you know, him and carnivore MD, Paul Saldino are like the two big medical doctor influencers on social media for carnivore diet. Um, but a lot of people have posted, and I posted like um, just a, a, a little uh, question box underneath. I said, hey, why? Yeah. And uh, the answers that I got were mostly processed foods, seed oils, lack of activity, um, technology, um, being indoors, lack of sunlight. Um, that, that, was, that was a lot of the answers there. Yeah. I mean, I can see lack of activity being 100%. a big piece of it because, and this, again, it keeps going back to like, you know, what side of the argument do you fall on? There, because there's like very strong opinions about calorie in, calorie out. And like, that's it. Like, that's the end all be all. Like, there are some people out there that like, if you are in a caloric deficit on Cheerios, Skittles, and Twinkies, you are not going to gain weight or you can even lose weight on those foods, at least in the short term. In the long term, you'll probably, you know, run into all sorts of issues, but metabolic issues, not necessarily obesity issues. Exactly. Right? Like, that's, that's the argument. Yeah. The argument is that like you, it, it's literally like laws of physics, impossible for you to gain weight on garbage food. If you're still keeping the calories in below uh-huh. the calories out. Now, the other side of the argument though, and what is interesting, you know, based on that graph that MDV was just talking about is if that's true, then why is it that obesity is rising so much? But the amount of calories people are eating on average has stayed the same. Yeah, it has to be. There has to be a, there has to be that factor of just movement too, right? Because we're just so much more sedentary 100%. than we were, uh, you know, 30 years ago in general, right? And I, I mean, I even look at it well, like 30 when years, I was, hold on, hold, 30 years ago is only 1990. Oh. So in, in 1990. Are, were we really that much less uh, active than we I are right now? I think so. Uh, yeah, you could make the argument. Maybe there's more technology. Maybe people are more I, into I their phones. Because so. well, yeah. think about, like, let's just take 1990, right? I was obviously very young at the time. But let's just take the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I got my first kind of, like, Nokia. Uh, you remember this, like, Nokia phone? The brick phone or the, the flip bri- phone? Like, no, no, the brick, not the, not the flip one. That one was, the, that was the, the razor. The one that you could like T9, <laughs> T9 texting. You were playing um, like a snake. snake on it. Yeah. So I dude, remember. I was I got, so fast at T9 texting. Dude, so I got my first uh, cell phone, like, I think I was like, you know, I don't know, sophomore, junior in high school at the time. Right. So if you think about it though, leading up, I'm just using myself as an example, um, leading up until the point where I was, had my phone, like, yeah, there was some like. Um, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Super Sega Nintendo, Genesis, Sega, PlayStation, you know, I Sega remember Dreamcast. Duck Hunt, remember Duck Hunt? Duck Hunt, that was, that was Nintendo. Yeah, it was Nintendo. But there was really only in most houses, most, there was only one TV, 
mm-hmm. and there was only one unit hooked up to it. And there was probably only one landline at the house for a phone perspective. So you can only go on the internet. I remember when AOL first came out and it was like, D-ter-ter-ter, <laughs> when you're trying to log on, you could only spend so much time on the internet because if you if you stuck up the line or whatever, busy then, the, signal. then the house has a busy signal. Yeah. And then if you're watching TV, you can only do it in one area. I guess the point I'm trying to make is like in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't as convenient to be on technology. Now it's gotten a lot more yeah, convenient. I agree there. Right? You know, which I think leads to more sedentary. Like imagine like the last time you go to a park, dude. I mean, maybe a park isn't even the best example, but when you go to a park, you're going to see 50% of people probably out and about being active, 50% probably just sitting in the corner on their phones. Yeah. yeah. I, pro- I, would, I think I tend to agree a lot more in terms of like the younger generations because the access to technology for the younger generations is much higher now. Like kids are getting cell phones at a much earlier age. Kids are introduced to things like iPads at like, what, two or three years old, right? They're so proficient on iPads. Like they yeah. can just do everything, know how to act. Uh, play the games, turn it on, turn it off, access like games on phones. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, think about it in our kids' school, they utilize that as a form of education. Right. So you yeah. have to, you have to use one. Mm. And I mean, that's, that becomes like a parenting thing where you got to manage the amount of time you get on it because it's just so addicting. Right. But that's a, that's a whole nother thing. Let me ask you a question about access because this is something I, I, I've been thinking about a lot, you know, and, and some of these guys like Carnivore Aurelius talks about this all the time on his channel on Instagram is like, the access to things like porn on <laughs> your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, it, it's like nonstop. Imagine being, you know, a kid who's growing up that age, you know, whether it's uh, whatever age, you know, you, you have yeah, unfettered like access. 12, 13, 14, somewhere. Yeah, for sure. in that range. But maybe even younger. I'm not saying that this is good at all. I'm saying maybe even younger. If you have a phone that doesn't have parental controls on it, and you hear from your friends about boobs or whatever, you now have access to, to all the boobs in the world. Yeah, ev- everything. But like when I was a kid, you had to go <laughs> find a magazine somewhere. <laughs> find a you magazine or like National that scene in a movie. Yeah, or the Sears catalog with the, 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 uh, the, oh the lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> Not the angle of the conversation I wanted to take. But like... <laughs> But for real, like if, if you if you have access and you don't have parental controls, like your universe is completely opened up to everything. There's no limits on the internet. Yeah. yeah. And even with the parental controls, I don't even know how I, I wonder for our kids, like how good they are. Well, the thing is, like w- to your point before, like with the parental controls, like kids are smart. Yeah. Like the kids are like it's almost like. Uh, maybe not the best analogy, but, you know, like performance enhancing drugs in sport. Like, I feel like the, the regulators are always trying to play catch up with the cheating. And I think it's kind of similar with this age gap and how proficient younger generations are becoming with technology. Mm. Like, sure, you'll have parental controls. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if super young kids are figuring out super easy ways to circumvent that stuff. Yeah, mm. I mean, I mean, here's a good example. Ava's 11. And, you know, it didn't help that we ca- we went to Africa and we saw some like, you know, mating going on and like some real like animals. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, dude, for sure. it was like, uh, it's nature. Uh, uh, I didn't know what to say. I was like, uh, <laughs> and you know, you wanted to experience it cause it was just so raw and just right there. But it was also at the same time thinking to myself, well, dude, I got an eight year old and 11 year old. They're watching this go down. It's like, all right, it is what it is. Like, and so it's funny cause Ashley ended up having a little bit of the birds and the bees conversation with Ava shortly thereafter, like a couple of days later or whatever, they're on a, and, and she knew about a lot of stuff, right? But, you know, Ashley wanted to kind of take the approach of like, I don't want you guessing what things are or assuming different things. Let's just talk about it, what it actually is. But I wonder how much of that at 11 versus when other people maybe experience, find out about the stuff later at like 13, 14 is because of access to internet and people getting information and sharing that at school. It's just a whole like other category, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I think that that's actually really interesting in terms of like seeing uh, a mating scenario in the wild, right? (laughs) I I mean, like you think about our ancestors or, or like ancestors, ancestors, like they were worried about surviving day to day, which meant, you know, you have to get food, water, fire, and then you were interacting with nature so much more, right? The dangers of being a human being were sky high because you were constantly trying to survive, Yeah. right? So our, our, our fight or flight responses that we have in our body today to adversity and to situations that are, are actually dangerous are responses that were, you know, kind of ingrained in us over mo- thousands and thousands and thousands of years in situations yeah. of nature, right? 
I think that that's really interesting too, in terms of like what we're thinking about, you know, for like how comfortable life is for a, a good amount of people, especially in, you know, the modern world, the Western world, United States, like you, a lot of people's lives in terms of like the safety of their day-to-day goings on, you know, you're not worried about an animal coming and attacking you. Yeah. Well, it's very, very well, yeah, different. You maintain your fitness a lot better when you like, so for example, when I was in Africa, we visited a, a tribe, um, uh, out in uh, Kenya and the Maasai, they were the Maasai and they didn't, we, we asked their opinion on like COVID and things like that. Like we were, we were, well, we didn't really, it just got brought up in conversation mm. like somehow. And like, you know, for them, they weren't necessarily worried about it. I mean, they have, they have a lot of other worries that were more, that were bigger worries for them than COVID necessarily. Mm. But I mean, a lot of them, you know, they're not obese. They're not overweight. They stay in shape. They have daily activities they need to get accomplished. And so it is just different looking at more of a primal way of living compared to where we're at. And I think it just, it encourages me to know that like, that's why what we do here at our gyms, we're at our Campbell gym right now is so incredibly important because it provides that outlet where people can move, get, get movement in, you know, push themselves a little bit, get that little micro dose of adversity and then get on with the rest of their day. Chris D was actually great. I don't know if you talked to him about this, about his journey being a software engineer mm. and now coming back into the gym. Yeah, Chris, Jason's mentioning Chris Detmering, who's a, a world-class coach, a world-class athlete, was a coach for NC Fit for many years, was on Team NorCal for many years, um, an absolute beast. And uh, yeah, I did talk to him a little bit about that. He missed it a lot. Yeah. One of the things, and, oh, sorry, continue. Well, here. I was just going to say, you know, a lot of people, software engineer or not, find themselves in that position. And I didn't have this conversation with Chris, but I'm imagining that it's, you know, how much time, especially if you know what this outlet of fitness can feel like, can you spend behind a screen and behind a desk until you like desperately need that outlet again? And the problem for most people that don't come from like kind of that fitness background before is you don't know what you don't know, Yeah. right? You're like, ah, my low back hurts, like tight hips, don't feel great. Like, and that's just like their, the their way of being. Yeah. And, you know, if they don't walk in through the doors of, you know, it doesn't have to be NC Fit, but a gym that knows what they're doing, you may never know what that feeling is like. Mm. Um, and you just kind of go on and on just like, hey, this is, this is normal. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot and, you know, in terms of our business, especially the, the brick and mortar gyms and what we're trying to create on our, our app and what we're trying to create to the collective and, and give to other people is the fact that, yes, we are in the business of delivering physical results. We want people to live freely, live fully outside of the gym. That's, that's one of the, the main reasons we exist as an organization. But also the, the positive environment that we're bringing people together in to, to foster connection, positivity, wellness. If you think about other opportunities outside of places like your gym, they, they don't really exist a whole lot of places in like your normal day-to-day life, right? Like a lot of other stuff is very, very transactional. You go, you go buy a sandwich from somebody, maybe get like a little fist bump or somebody if you're regular, but like a lot of places you go, you just kind of hand them money, they hand you the thing. Or if you're going and doing other activities, like if you, if you go to a casino and play poker, right? I'm, I like playing poker. A lot of times you sit around the table, like people don't talk a lot of the times anymore. No, they probably like, have headphones in, don't yes, they? A lot and of people have he- headphones. Yeah, yeah. The real, the real rounders take that seriously. <laughs> but like, um, you know, it, I think it's really important because there's so there's le- less and less opportunities for stuff like that for people. And this gets deep for me because I've been watching a lot of soft white underbelly, that YouTube channel on um, uh, YouTube channel, YouTube channel on YouTube. You guys ever watch Soft White Underbelly? I've no. never heard of it. Should I? Oh my goodness, man! This, this <laughs> it is sounds a, like an animal show. Uh, it's no, it's not an animal show. It's it's a really interesting expose on some of the the most uh, depressed and economically depressed um, har- uh, places that have extreme hardship, drug addiction. Uh, it, it's heavy stuff. Physical, sexual abuse. Like this guy, Mark Lado, was a very successful marketing uh, photographer. And he would go to different areas of the country in early in his career and take just physical photos of people. Um, but he was documenting life in these uh, kind of, you know, quote unquote, back alley places. Like he would go into New York City and go to the slums. He would go into Appalachia and he would go find people who were living in the hills of Appalachia, like West Virginia. He would go to Skid Row in L.A. and take pictures of them. And he became pretty famous for that after his very successful marketing career. But what he's doing now with Soft White Underbelly is interviewing these people on camera. 
and also taking pictures of them and they tell their stories and he he asked them a lot about their childhood he asked them a lot about their families he asked them a lot about what was it like growing up and the amount there's yes there are cases in which there were people who were on the straight and narrow and just went off of it it's super rare He's done like 4,000 interviews. I've watched maybe three or 400 of them. Really? Yeah. And, and like, are, they, like, are these people like, are they paid? Do they seem cool? Do they seem like he, they're... He does compensate them for their time. Uh, the channel makes money. You're able to donate to GoFundMes and you can name certain people that you want money to go to. And, and I think he's doing the right thing. He seems really genuine. But essentially what he, he's getting after is he, he's telling these people's stories. And most of the stories are about these really, really sad uh, situations growing up, like in incredible amounts of abuse, incredible amounts of lack of love, lack of connection. And you see how it just takes people off of where they could have gone, like a, a life that's fulfilling, free of drugs, free of mental health issues, free of, you know, things can happen. But most of the time when he's doing these interviews, man, it's like, sh if shit wasn't going right, if it went really bad when they were growing up, they go on this path and it's crazy. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's a real, it's a heavy channel. If you haven't checked it out, I would suggest watching a few interviews, but it, it can, it can get really heavy. If for nothing else too, it, it kind of shows some, it kind of maybe changes your perspective, perspective a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, the other day we had a gentleman over and he's a PhD and, uh, he, but he's also like very affiliated with, uh, faith. Mm. And this gentleman was out and we were, we were doing an event at my father-in-law's and the guy comes out and he starts talking about the homeless and his impact he's trying to make on the homeless. But he brought up a really good point. He's like, hey, look, a lot of people, when they go give uh, uh, homeless people food, they'll just like bring them scraps that they maybe have or whatever is like sitting in their car. He's like, you know, if you go to them and you, and you bring them a warm, warm meal and nice tubware that looks nice, like something that you would want to eat. Like if someone gave it to you and you would want to eat it, more than likely they're going to accept it. And it just, it changed my reference point a little bit because I've given a lot of, I've given stuff like on just on the road, like just giving it to them. And sometimes people haven't accepted food. And I always think like, oh, they just wanted money to go buy drugs, but maybe they just didn't want my scraps. You know, maybe, I, I don't know why I'm going off on a total tangent, no, here, no, but, I, it, but, it, but it's just like treating them treating them the way you would want to be treated is was was his point like yeah. how would you want to receive food like if someone were to bring you food how would you want it to be how would you want to be delivered well and, uh, try to do the same thing for them was yeah. his theory i think that i mean when when you get down to the golden rule you treat other people the way that you want to be treated right but i i have done research and i have read up on this and there was an interview that i listened to with somebody who was very deeply embedded in in the homeless communities and and, and deeply embedded in the situation of trying to quote unquote fix homelessness and it is such a deeply entangled oh. issue there's so much shit that has to happen and it almost becomes this systemic multi-generational thing and one of the things that mark Leda was talking about he's like you got to get to the kids because it, it for a lot of these people, it's too late for them. Like you have to get to the kids and remove the kids to like break this cycle and get the kids and then maybe the kids' kids after that. But, um, you know, one of the things that this other interview that I listened to was talking about, and this is not, I'm not saying that this is everybody and this is doctrine, but he was saying that in especially like New York and LA and, and Maine areas, there are a lot of opportunities for people to get food, for people to get shelter. They have to be clean. They can't, they can't be doing drugs actively in most of these places. And that's a major roadblock for a lot of people who are seeking um, that fix, right? So he was saying that a lot of times when you see people panhandling for money, they are panhandling to, you know, s uh, subsidize their addiction, which is yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. And then the, the other thing that just gentleman said was like, if you want to go give food to these people, you can't judge them if they're, if they're, if they are doing any of those things, cause you're trying to just support, like whether they're on drugs or not, they still need food. And if you want to support them, you should support them. He had a very, um, different viewpoint on, on a few things that I found really impactful. And, uh, it's funny cause my mom was there, my kids were there and we were basically like at like a, he was almost like preaching to us. It wasn't religious based in terms of, you know, any specific, mm. but it, it did, it, it was kind of cool. Cause like he, he had some good things to say, but it's a very difficult situation. One of the things on the, the drug issue, um, w in watching all these interviews and, and in watching specific stuff with Mark Leda, a, a lot of these people, they know that doing drugs is not good for them. They <laughs> yeah. know it. They right. know it. They right. physically cannot stop. They're chemically addicted to this stuff. And it's the drug game, from my knowledge, I, I don't do hard drugs. I have never done hard drugs. 
but the drug game has changed completely with the introduction of fentanyl. Oh yeah. Fentanyl, like synthetic heroin, synthetic opioids, they're so addictive and they la the high is so extreme for a lot of people that it, first of all, it's killing a lot of people, which is cr so unfortunate, but like it come, they come down very fast. You need like a fix. They're saying every three hours oh, wow. of this stuff. Yeah. It, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I, what is it called? White underbelly? Soft white underbelly. Soft white underbelly. Oh, the door back opened back up. We have our three, what is it? 3.30 class coming in right now? Oh, yeah. They're about to get after a great workout. Um, so today at uh, NC Fit, we had a solid workout. We had a snatch workout, and then there was another option in there. But did you ever end up doing the, the NCX? Did you do that one today? No, because NCX would have been too late. Oh, okay. That workout. I love that type of workout type of workout that like is rest periods like foot to the floor because it was i actually remember it it's um there was a it was an imam and there's 20 second max bike sprint yep. 15 burpees over the bar yep. and then five power wow. cleans 185 wow. yeah both of the workouts today for ncx and nc metcon happened to Similar both feel. be yeah. all gas no breaks type of workout and we yeah. don't design it that way the two programs are programmed independent of each other so nc metcon doesn't care what ncx is doing and vice versa yeah it's so funny how when you look at some of the workouts they're so deceiving and then they come and crush you yeah well if yeah yeah for a lot of people they would look at you know any workout with rest in it or you know it's just 20 seconds of biking of that whole minute and kind of like oh it's not going to be that bad today but if you've if you've done that kind of training before you know that like you approach that the right way and like I like to say, you'll, you'll, you'll go into orbit. Well, I was telling MDV today that I was doing the Metcon classes at six and it was 15 cows and basically you rested for like 30 seconds. 15 cows on the bike. On the bike. And then you did max snatches, just max snatches. And you picked your own weight. So it was kind of like pick your own adventure. It was cool. Like you wanted to get somewhere between like, you know, what weight did you use? I used 155 and a 155 was right. I wanted to use 135 and cap. One of our coaches was like, hey, man, you should be doing at least 155. And he was, he was spot on. I, I, I hit the number each time. But it was interesting because I started off with 15 cows the first round. I was like, oh, that's, that's a little too, too quick for me. I needed something more. So I bumped up to 20 cows. In, re in hindsight, you know, that's, that's such that, a big bump. But from <laughs> 15 to 20. <laughs> 15 and 20 is like completely Dude. different. Well, because I got through 15 cows so fast that I didn't feel the stimulus. I, it was just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Because then you got off, you had 30-second rest, and then boom, you hit in the snatch. But that, that, that difference between 15 oh, and 20, dude. man, uh, it was just it, – it was, it, was, it was perfect. It's night and day. Yeah. It's yeah. night and day. I was, well, I was just going to say because if you're, you're, you're spending those five calories – in a completely different energy system, which is, I, I think, what makes that such a big difference, right? Like, I think right around, probably for you, like, 10 to 12 is what you can do, like, completely, like... Well, yeah, because 15 calories took me, like, 12 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's so like you're that, doing those five... Like, boom. Yeah, you don't yeah. even feel that. But no. those extra five calories are all in, like... Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, yeah, it was yeah, especially, yeah. like, rounds four and five. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it was good. The, uh, the assault bike is one of the tools where, like, if you're a big guy, if you got some mass or, or a big girl who's got some muscle, then you are pushing and you've got an aerobic system also to back it up. You can really do some damage on that bike because more, more power, more weight on that bike impacts the, how fast those 100%. things are going to go. Yeah, there was a, there was a woman next to me. She was newer at the gym. She'd been with us for six months. Um, I think, I believe her name was Lori. And, uh, I was like, Oh, how are you doing? I introduced myself cause I had never met her before. And uh, I was like, oh, were you a gymnast? Because she had, I mean, she had like the perfect gymnast body. She was probably, like, you know, five foot even, five foot one, whatever. Built looked like pretty, an Olympian, yeah. Looked like Olympian. And I meant it as like a, a compliment. Of course. Like, oh, were you a gymnast back in, you know? She's like, no, but I get that a lot. And I was like, oh, you're probably still really good at the gymnastics. And she's like, yeah, I am. But I'm not good at that bike. And I was just thinking to myself, yeah. you know, you're probably, that's, yeah. that's probably pretty tough. You just, need, you just need size. You need size. You need just to get a little that bit big, of size. You know, she probably weighed, you know, 100, 100 pounds just to get that bike moving. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy. I saw a gym owner this morning. His name is uh, Rob Maloney. And, um, oh, he, Rob Maloney, Long Island. Yeah, Long, Long Island Shout guy. Out. He is, he is uh, very, very fit. He's, yeah, he's very fit. fit guy. Um, he did a 20-minute bike test on the Rogue Echo bike and got like 418 calories in 20 minutes yeah, on he's a big, the Echo he's bike. Yeah, he's a big engine guy. That is insane. That's holding 20 calories a minute for 20 minutes on the Echo bike. 
That's impressive. That's really impressive. And that's the difference, like, when we're thinking about 15 that's like, calories that's like or I'm, 20. I'm skeptical impressive. But I, I he believe sh- you. He showed the numbers. That. He showed the screen. That's it was, impressive. It was 20 minutes that's and 400-plus calories. You know, there's a huge difference for me if I'm doing an EMOM on the bike and I'm trying to get 15 calories a minute. I can do that not fairly easily, but, it, no, I, but it's, it's, it's hard, but I can do it. You know I cannot that you can go hold, downstairs right now. I can't just, hold 20, 20 cows a minute for more than a few minutes. I got to look stuff. back and see what I got. So I, I traveled down south for a charity event for uh, pediatric cancer, and one of the events was max calories on an echo bike in 24 hours. And I couldn't do the full 24 hours just because of some other commitments I had, but I wanted to try and contribute as much as I can. So I contributed um, – I need to look. I want to say I contributed a thousand calories was my goal. And I, I got to look at what I did. But yeah, to your point, I did like 30 minutes since I like 30, 30, 30, 30, um, trying to, I, I want to, now I'm really curious. Now I need to go see how many calories I got during that time. That's tough to hold. You yeah, and you and minutes. Yeah. Legit. Right. Yeah, super legit. You and Kelly Sturette did a little bike face off before, right? On the yeah. assault bike. Me and dude, Kelly's got some major power output. He's deceptively huge. He's deceptively huge. He's a big dude. Um, he's like Gordon Ryan. You know, like Gordon Ryan on TV doesn't look that big. You see him in person, he's, like, he's damn big. Um, huh. Yeah, I'm going to look that up now that I think about it. Who won the ver- you versus Kelly? <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. And that, that, that's the answer we now need. Now we, we know what Kelly on. did. We, we <laughs> Kelly won. That was the answer. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't had that much to eat. Okay. I was dehydrated. We were in that Germany. The air was different. Like, oh, air. man. Elevation. Elevation. One thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, just going back to the connection bit and, and our gyms and kind of, you know, and I don't think this is unique to our gyms. I think a lot of gym owners out there, you know, can, can kind of relate to this. I have, like, super fortunate with – my setup back home, right? Like we live out in the country, which we did on purpose. We have a gym that's like, you know, a hundred yard walk from the house yep. that now has every bit of equipment that I would want. You know, maybe there's a couple of things that I still want to put in there, but honestly, anything that I'd want me and my wife go out and work out together. We have the dogs running around. Like it's, it's awesome. Mm. But being here for now three days and I haven't had the chance to take classes just cause kind of hasn't, you know, jives with the schedule that we have for filming and stuff, but just being in the other room and like, you know, Elijah's there and a bunch of members that I remember from back in the day is there. Like, it's just such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. And like, I I felt stronger. Like I've been doing a little bit of progressive overload on my front squats and like, dude, it's just the energy. I had a really good session the other day, even though I'm like, you know, traveling, not ideal diet, not ideal Mm. sleep, but just something about being in these four walls with the people that are taking class and, you know, had a couple members come up to me and been like, Hey, been listening to the podcast. They had a nutrition question, like talking to them about stuff that we've been doing on the podcast. Like there's something about it that you like, if you could bottle that up and sell it, like you'd make a fortune, but it's so cool. And it's cool to feel it. And it just like makes it something we've been talking about you know, I want to come out here more often. Like there's something really cool about being here. And I, well, I, I think I a gym it. owner or coach who's in it every day, maybe doesn't realize just how cool it is yeah. until they're not in it as often. Like sure. when I was in Africa for two weeks, dude, I miss this place. Like I love going to our gyms because I, I, because you could be having a bad day. Maybe business isn't going perfect. Maybe your revenue could be better over here. Maybe you're whatever. And then you could just have a member walk up to you and be like, dude, lost 50 pounds in the last six months you've changed my life. I really appreciate this place. And all that other shit just goes away. It's like, wow. And then you, you, you see people, you, you just, and when they come into the gym, like the energy is just right. You know, people are just happy to be here. Um, there's something really special. So for gym owners or coaches who maybe haven't taken time away from the gym, they, I hope they don't take for granted just how beautiful it is, what you're actually doing inside the four walls of your, of your gym. Well, I mean, this also, I think, just highlights the fact that there is something special about going to a dedicated place that that's the thing that you're going to do, even outside of your home environment. If you, you know, the home environment obviously has some benefits, the convenience factor sure. of it, like you can do your own thing at your own pace. Um, that, that's huge. And I know a lot of people experienced home fitness during, you know, lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. But 
one of the things also like in thinking about work from home, like when you work from home, you have a high level of freedom generally, right? Like you're not going into the office, you get to like work in your own place and stuff like this. But then on the downside of work from home, you lack connection with other people. You lack connection with people that you might see every day or, or co-work with, or like, you know, the little conversations that you have in the hallway about like, you know, somebody's weekend or, you know, how are you doing catching up that more personal connection. You get those here in the gym as well. The other thing too, with, with working out at home is like, sometimes the motivation, it, it's, it's e yeah, it's easy to kind of say, oh, you know what? The couch is looking pretty darn good tonight <laughs> and the, the garage is looking pretty darn cold. But when you get into a gym like this, where the lights are on, the music's pumping, people are here, like you're fist bumping people, it's, you get a great workout. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing for like jujitsu, for example, you can't really do it on your own. Very and so you, you have to find other people and you do create connections there because it's so, it's extremely intimate of a, of a sport. But with fitness, I think there's a lot of people that could do it at home. And if you want to do it at home or at, by yourself at the gym, we have a great app that you could use. And we, of course, would love to have you there. And if you have an opportunity to go into a gym, though, I would always encourage you to do so. I'd, I'd rather have people who can be in the game for the rest of their life because they're surrounding themselves by like-minded people than try and have them just – like. If, if they're going to have more success long-term, I'd rather have them go find a gym than be on our app. Like, it, but if you could utilize our app as a resource and a tool a couple days a week at home and then go find the gym, that's a great option as well. I just want to see people do this for the rest of their life, yeah. not just for a week, not just for a month, and get that energy and that push to keep it fun. You know, I find that if I'm just in my garage, which I'm not in my garage as often, I train my kids every day in the garage. And that's easy because I'm just like motivating them and I work out with them. It's easy. But when I'm in my garage by myself, dude, it, I, I just, I don't, I just don't get the same. It's like, I, I can't even describe it. You know, it's like, just like I'm feeding off other people's energy. You're a big energy guy. You know, you're a big energy guy. It was one of the things that I always really appreciated about you and in, in your CrossFit Games career is like, you were out there and you were the hardest working athlete on the floor every single time. And I think a lot of that was was the environment that was, that was there. Like you were surrounded by other monsters. You had the crowds going, uh, you know, I'm not saying this to be a knock on you. You were not the most technically impressive athlete in CrossFit games history, but like you were the most, one of the most <laughs> successful athletes ever Mount Rushmore style athlete. And a lot of it due to your effort and your energy, dude. Yeah. Pulling the energy from other people is big. Yeah. Yeah. Not the most technical, not the most athletic. Dude, it's funny. Kidding. I was watching Double Grace. I don't know why this came up on like YouTube or something, but I was watching me and Rich Froning finish out Double Grace from like 2014 CrossFit Games. And I'm watching him, you know, and it's like a terrible, it's like a terrible side by side, right? Because Rich is like, you know, he has like this whole like, you know, just, just the super, flow. just, just super flowing, right? And then you look at me and she's like, what? <laughs> Two. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, we were, we were going like almost rep for rep. It just, one looked much harder looked than different. the other. Looked different. <laughs> the Kalipa stutter step behind the barbell is oh, an all-time yeah. great games moment. Like, oh, that happened in a lot of events, but probably pretty famously most the, uh, what is that, the Isabel event the, uh, when you were doing Isabel and the oh, barbell I, yeah, yeah, chased, yeah, yeah. chased into the crowd almost? Oh, yeah. No, that was Amanda. Oh, Amanda. I'm sorry. Amanda. It was the cameraman. That was back in Carson, right? 2009. Yeah. Or 2010. Excuse me. 2010. First event underneath the lights. Big learning experience there. So. Was oh, that yeah. the same year they did the, um, uh, like, the, they had the walls that you That's had to right. scale up and over, and then the push-ups in yes, which right. people's and hands people were, were like melting hands. on the... That's right. Because what happened is they put us, like, in a vault. And, That's right. And so when you came out of the vault, you didn't know what you are getting yourself into. And so, like, it, 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 like, you know, for people who think like, oh, that's not, that's not real. No, no, that's real. Like you're in a vault. And this happened to me actually two years, two, two total years. The first time it happened was in 2010. You're sitting in like this back room. You have no connection with anybody. You literally walk out onto the field or whatever. And they just say, you're going to do 50 pushups, climb over the wall five times or whatever it was. Right? Yeah. 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 I think it was like 20 pushups, climb over the wall, and that was like the first event. Then you went in and you ended up finishing with like this rope climb event that was just gnarly. Yeah. But there was no like, okay, like take two, two seconds. It was just like, I remember ready, that because set, go. He, he just said, this is the workout 50, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. And go. then Spieler was standing there like, do I go? Do I go? And he was like, go. That's it. Yeah. It was strange. It was very strange. But the whole idea was like, how can you adapt? Like literally on the fly. And one of the struggles was, um, you know, good. 
I don't know. I don't think I would have had this information. I, I wouldn't have. But I think maybe when I had walked out or something, I, um, I saw maybe someone take off their shirt. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I took off my shirt for my push-ups, oh. which made a big difference for my hands. Big deal. But if you weren't wearing a shirt, you're uh, kind of out of luck on that mm. one. You know, the, the, the f- it's an advantage. Kalipa's always got a shirt on. Hey, random fact about that, that year. I go into the final like three or four events in 16th place, which is my worst placing ever at the CrossFit Games. And I wasn't, I wasn't proud of my performances that weekend. But I go in 16th and they had made cuts to, if I'm not mistaken, like 16. So I had just, just made, made the it. cut or whatever it was. But basically, no matter how I did on those events, at the end, I was going to finish up 16. I went through these events and I wore my heart on my sleeve. I busted my ass on these events. And the final one was these road climbs and there was no crash pad. That's when that Froney like that slid too. down and basically almost like broke his ankle. And I, I got up there and it was like X amount of road climbs. And I got within like six inches of the top twice, six inches. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I should go look at the video. And I just, I tried to reach up, but I knew that if I just extended my arm out a little bit more, I was going to fall off the top. There was no crash pad, no nothing. So I got within inches and I had to go back down. That happened to me twice. I was practically crying and my placing did not change at all. So I went through all this. I mean, like super, like just ruined. My hands were just crushed and I still got the same placing. I could just sit there the whole time. That was, that was the, the MRAP mentality right there. That's it. That was your, the worst finish you had at the CrossFit Games was 16th in 2010. Okay. So first, fifth, first, fifth, 16th, seventh, fifth, second, third. Wow. Second to third in the, in the modern games era. What years were those? 13, 14. Those but, are legit. Yeah, that one year was a, kind of like a, like a little, you know, the kind 16. of like a mulligan. But anyways, that was, that was a good time. Damn. Oh, man. Did, can, I, can I ask you a question about just really quickly? How much in your career when you were in the back and you were able to watch other heats, like did you watch other people's strategies for what they were doing in certain events and be like, okay, I got I to gotta consider this, consider that, blah, blah, blah. How much did you – because you were in a lot of final heats. Yeah, you'd want to know – you just want to know the time. You just want to know the time. So we would watch the previous heats on the TV – um, they always had it like in like the lounge area mm. before you're going out. So before they lined you up, you'd be able to watch the previous, like, let's just say there's four heats. You'd be able to watch, uh, two. Then the one, the one right before your heat, you'd be able to watch just the beginning and you'd have to go line up. So you wouldn't see what their times were, but you'd want to know, like, like one of us would go run over and be like, Oh, the time to beat is 10 minutes. Mm. Cause what you'd always want to know is like, y- it was important to understand the time to beat because you didn't want to get a false impression of how well you're doing based on your final heat. Typically, 99% of the time, the final heat set the, set the time, yeah. but not always. Mm. Me and my buddies used to call that the West Coast Advantage. So funny side story. Yeah. The reason that we even ended up calling our podcast that was because when I first moved out to California, I was still following the programming back home with all my like crazy, super into the leaderboard friends. And so every day when I worked out by the afternoon, because of the time difference, I knew everyone's time to beat. So everyone gave me a hard time that like when I did, you know, have the best score, it was because I had the West Coast advantage, the West Coast advantage, because you knew the time to beat. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. All the difference in the world. Yeah. And and you get to watch the strategy and all that kind of stuff. But even without knowing the strategy, there's something about like. Oh, I'm aiming Knowing to get time. one more rep than 16 rounds or whatever. Yep. Mm. Is like it's night and day. Yeah. When you were on the floor and you were competing, that cuz I've seen this debate come up this year and almost every year it comes up. This whole like um community rah-rah moment for the last athlete competing. Mm. Were you a guy who was like, "Hey, I, I do I, I enjoy this. I enjoy the people cheering on the last athlete. Or were you like, hey, no, this is a competition. I'm trying to, I'm trying to beat these people on the floor. I don't need to cheer on the last athletes. I mean, somewhere in the middle. Fortunately for me, I, I wasn't in like that bottom that often. Mm. I had my experiences. Like I'm no doubt. I don't really, I didn't really want everybody to like huddle around me and like, mm. yay, you know, like. We're not at the gym like vibing. We're trying to beat each other. Mm. Now, there's, there's definitely camaraderie mm. there. I think where you got a lot more camaraderie is like a, a picture stands out in my head with me, Josh Bridges, uh, and Rich Froning on this one event. Now, they both beat me. Uh, it, was, it was tight. It was, it was a tight event. They both beat me, and then basically I came across the line. It was just like high fives from both of them. 
but it was like a good battle. Mm. So those were the moments you remember a lot. Like me and Ben Smith had this one battle or me and Frony had this one battle or, you know, whatever those, those battles are when you watch them and then basically you're racing the finish line and then there's like that moment of endearment, that's pretty cool from a camaraderie perspective. But I was never the guy like, yeah, if there's someone on the floor who's struggling, it's kind of hard just to kind of stand on the side and like, you know, not be engaged because you want to show your encouragement. But I also was trying to be respectful of the fact that they probably didn't want us like all over them, you know? Mm. I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. It's but it is interesting because it's it doesn't happen in any other sport. Not right? really. Like if you're out there, especially in like something that's multi-event, you know, you can make the argument that there's there's a psychological race there too, right? And when you see blood in the water and someone that you're trying to beat having a rough time, like are you really trying to go out there and like cheer them back on? Like is winning the number one priority? Um, so it's interesting. I, d I don't necessarily feel that way. I just know that that's, you know, that that's the other side of the argument versus this whole like, you know, yeah. community, like we're trying to get everyone together. And I think an interesting question there is like, I get it and I get why that's such a like celebrated thing about this sport, but is it another one of those things that's holding the sport back from really kind of professionalizing and Being taking mainstream. its next step? Because I feel like one thing that, you know, it has to happen for a, a sport to really go mainstream. Is, right. Yeah. Need, no, there's no bad guys. To, Ricky Garrard's the closest you thing. You need to have character. Like, you need someone to root for, but I think what makes things more enticing is having someone to root against. Yeah. yeah. Like, you need it. Yeah. And if it's all sunshine and rainbows and there's no one to root against, you know, it's kind of this thing that, like, sure, it's exciting, but, like, I mean, I know me watching the CrossFit Games this year, like, I would have loved nothing more than for, like, someone to have been beating Tita. Tia, you know, like that would have made it exciting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I really like Tia, so I'm glad. Oh, she no, no. I, yeah. I, I love Tia, yeah, yeah. but from no. like a pure fan perspective. From a pure fan perspective, I mean, she's just super dominant and there's other people that sure. just want to watch yeah. her. But that, that just makes it kind of like, you know, like. She wasn't in the lead the whole weekend. Are you though, watching right? for second yeah. place? But that was the most exciting part. Yeah. I thought, Mal I was like, man, like yeah, are one of right. these teenagers going to gonna be back. in front. Right. Well, I, I liked, because I knew she was going to, I, I knew I, I felt very strongly she was going to get a comeback. So it was exciting to kind of like check the leaderboard and be like, oh, yeah, well, she's Yeah, because she's on the, the reason she wasn't in first wasn't because like, oh, it looks like she's like losing it. She like tripped up on a double under yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Or you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew she was going to come back yeah. from that. The sport, you know, it's, it's, it's weird though because, you know, when you talk about the CrossFit Games, and I think in the future the CrossFit Games are going to have to do some pivots and shifts because they're so deeply tied to CrossFit and so deeply tied to the community. But as a sport, you know, there is a reflection on the community and the, the methodology. So, for example, if you have the sport and all the guys are kind of like being jerks to each other or like not – like let's just say, I'm not saying that's the case, but the, the downside of that is that is that a reflection then of the culture of CrossFit in general mm. and what does that lead to in the gyms? What does that lead to in the different areas? So yeah, It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated because there's are so intermingled. But we should talk to Dave Kasher and see what does he think we should. about the villain idea. I think this is a really interesting conversation from a lot of angles because, you know, personally, I, I tend to think that there's a lot of confusion when somebody watches the CrossFit games, who's not deeply embedded in the community and they're watching yeah. this and they're going like, is this what they do in, in the gyms? Well, yeah, is, this, is this the same thing they do in the gyms? This is crazy. You got all these freaking monsters running around, you know, doing crossover double unders, holding, uh, you know, the Helsafu stone, or, or I'm sorry, mispronouncing Husafel stone, <laughs> and, you know, running up steps in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm not saying I don't like the programming. I like the programming from a test of athleticism for the world's fittest individuals. But it's just different from what you do in the gym every day. And, and it's re really hard well, to untangle those two that. things. They know that because if you go on the games website, the first thing that pops up is the first thing, not the first thing, more or less, is like the difference between the CrossFit games and CrossFit. It's actually one of the, one of the things I brought up uh, to Don, the new CEO. I was just asking his perspective on that. And I think once he sinks in a little bit more and kind of like gets to know the culture and the company, I think he'll – see what's best for the games long-term, right? Mm. What does that even mean? You know, one of the things I hadn't taken into consideration was just how much the games are such a uh, use of resources from a CrossFit perspective. I mean, think about... Humongous. All the staff members. All the staff... Think about for, like... Opportunity cost. Like, opportunity cost. But, like, weeks, months, I mean, they're engaged on this. And yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. But, I mean, one thing's for sure. Like, I... I <laughs> I still enjoy them. I hope they continue to thrive because it's only good for everybody. It's just finding that balance. That's all. Yeah, I enjoyed the games this year. And maybe it was like, you know, wanting to see if the programming shifted and kind of like with the changes. Yeah. But I felt 
more drawn in to the competition this year than I have for probably the past maybe two, three mm. years um, for, for whatever reason. I'd say me too. And I'd say a big reason. Yeah. Well, I was just going to, uh, one funny, and this is going back to what you were saying about, you know, people from outside the community watching, being like, what the heck is this? There was a funny clip I remember watching because I was in the gym, but I had the, um, the capital, that workout just playing. And it was just playing to the point where it wasn't exciting yet. They were just doing the run, but it was an open course. Mm. So the, the course was open to the public. And there was a point where there were these like two ladies that were just going out for their walk yeah. in, in Madison. <laughs> and the big, like a big chunk of the field like ran past them yeah. and their facial expression, dude, you should have seen it. <laughs> they were funny, like, dude. like, can you imagine you're like in, you're like a Wisconsinite yeah. going out for a walk, yeah. you know, it's a you're beautiful a middle-aged day. Woman just out on a and walk. then can you imagine like 10 to 15, both male and female, absolutely like units, like run past you also like run past you like fast because how fast oh, yeah, they're clipping athletes like, run they're, now they're is like six minute miles. I bet dude, their facial expression. But that to me was like a, like such a good, maybe exaggerated, but an example of like what someone that isn't a part of the CrossFit community, you know, flipping through the channels or like their friend is like, hey, check out this thing, CrossFit Games. You look at that and you're like, and you want me to do that? Like yeah. you want me to like try a gym that does that? Like yeah. I can yeah. see that disconnect. I see that. And then, and then on, on the flip side, which we've talked about before, is like you turn on the, um, you know, the Tour de France, right? These guys are going like 50 miles an hour, whatever it is. But you could still go out on a bike ride. And I, I think that, yeah, CrossFit's a little bit different. And there needs to be education on the difference between them. But there is an aspirational aspect there that there just needs to be harnessed. Like, yeah. We've I, talked about this before, like yeah. from, from a brand and, and all that stuff, you know? I think Lance Armstrong and the Tour de France probably have done more to get people into cycling than, than anything else, right? Like, and that's, that's a fact. I think that, that you have to recognize that. And I do think that there is a strong counter argument that can be made in terms of CrossFit and the CrossFit games that the CrossFit games might not be as beneficial for the actual affiliate community as something like, you know, the Tour de France when you can go out and get a bike and go on a bike ride and stuff like that. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying that there is a strong argument towards the direction to say, is this actually beneficial or is it neutral or is it detrimental? Yeah, and I think that, that that new leadership at HQ is going to determine that and then create a pl- path. I think you know, the games have kind of gone through some ebbs and flows. You know, COVID obviously didn't do anybody any favors there. And then, you know, there was obviously leadership shifts. But now, you know, you have new leadership. Um, you know, Dave is – I don't know what role Dave's going to play for the games in the future. I know he wants to be a part of it, and we'll see what happens. But I think the next, like, year is going to be super telling for the future of the, the CrossFit Games in particular. Mm. I, I hope it – I mean, I was, I was very engaged on it. I think one of the reasons why I was more engaged on it, one, I was in Africa, so the time change was really interesting, so I had more time to kind of, like, see it. And then the other was that, you know, I think there's been a lot of positive change going on there, and so I'm, I'm kind of reconnecting with that. Considering a 2023 comeback, or is uh, that no? You know, oh, the pause. For the record, there was a pause. What I am considering is uh, oh. doing the Open for the first time in, like, years. Oh. So I, I, I am considering that. I, I signed an agreement with my wife that I'll never compete pr- uh, individually at the games again. You, gotta, phys- you we, physically signed an agreement? Actually signed an agreement? Yeah, she made me sign an agreement. Wow. We got to get Ashley on a podcast. Wow. And talk about that. And talk about that. The agreement. And convince her to rip it up. I can't remember exactly how it went down and what happened, but it was at a point in our lives where, like, you know, like, we needed – it was, it was a lot for her. She sure. had a lot of stress on her. And she's like, look, like, I'm good with the team thing. Like, I'm cool. But you can never go back to individual. I was like, at the time, I was like, all right, cool. Well, good. I mean, you do not do anything low power. So I, I understand that. Eh, he does I, some things low power. Well, yeah. I mean, when he's in low, when, maybe when he gets into low power mode from being in excessively high power for, you know, excessive amounts of time, then there's low power. But you don't do anything half-assed. So, like, when you're – when you were competing for, remember the Rogue Invitational? Like when Jason got invited to the Legends Rogue Invitational, and it was like he was training like he was going to yeah. the, you know, the the one-on-one finals with Rich Froning at the CrossFit Games, like a special event that was well, only to him. Get, that's what the Rogue. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was, it was like, <laughs> wasn't showing up there to just kind of like, no. you know, toss some barbells around with your buddies. You were showing up to win, dude. Well, that now September first, we got the Jiu Jitsu tournament, and then all eyes on deck for uh, Rogue Invitational. Got to yeah. look good with that shirt off. Hell yeah. It, man. Dude, we're all just trying to look good with our shirts off. 
Well, we got to go to dinner. We got some things planned. Um, we got some members crushing some barbells right now. Um, but any kind of final thoughts? Boy, we were just chatting for an hour. This was great. It was great was to be good, back. Man. Great yeah, to guest, guest back appearance, on the mic. back on the mic. We got to get him back on a more uh, permanent cadence. No, final thoughts. <sighs> man, Mets seem to be going into Mets fashion. Oh, my God. Downward spiral, baby. Yeah, so let's hope that that stops because I think this is the year, man. This is different. Still in you first. heard it here first. Mets are still in first place. So Gabe and I are both Mets fans. We're a little bit different degree. Gabe is a obsessive Mets yeah. fan. Like yeah, it's one problem. of Yeah, it's one of like your big life passions for real. And I appreciate that about you. I'm a I'm a moderate Mets fan. I'm, I'm I follow the team. I really enjoy watching the games. But when you're a Mets fan, you also have this heavy burden of disappointment yes. throughout your entire life that you carry with you. And I'm a skeptic of the Mets nonstop. Yeah. Can't they're, blame you for it. They're in first place right now. See what happens. Oh man. We shall see. Well Look, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. I'm looking forward to everything that's going on. Uh, if you haven't checked out the NC Fit app, if you're uh, looking to train your garage or, or, or at a gym, check it out, NC Fit app on the Apple Store. And if you're a gym owner, you're a coach, and you have not checked out the NC Fit Collective, you know, we all spend a lot of time on our session plans, our programming that are used right inside of our gym, which you're hearing the barbells drop right behind us. So if you want the exact same things that we do, make sure to check out the NC Fit Collective. Keep getting after it. Keep training hard. And uh, talk to you guys next time. Let's go.